It's Wednesday, January 18th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Tim Hanson, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Uncle Joe Mager. Gentlemen, good to see you. Uncle Howdy. Joe. <laughs> we have got the latest with the mobile phone wars, and we will dip into the full mailbag, but we are going to start with Yahoo. Co-founder Jerry Yang has resigned from the board of directors at Yahoo, Yahoo Japan, and Alibaba Group. Tim, shares of Yahoo up on the news. Um, what do you think of this? Well, burn. <laughs> it's a long time coming. You know, I, I we you know we published a, a an open letter on FullFunds.com not too long ago advocating for change on the Yahoo board. Um, we're, we're we're glad this is happening. I think anyone invested in Yahoo should be glad this is happening. And the reason is is that you know, like a lot of founders, I think uh, Jerry Yang took a lot of ownership over his company, probably ownership in excess of his actual ownership, so to yeah. speak. And uh, the reports I was reading said he. You know, the board tended to run a lot of things by him and you know, deferred to him in terms of where Yahoo should be going towards in the future. And, you know, where Yahoo should be going from an investor perspective is it should probably be breaking apart its assets to realize their full value and then sort of refocusing on its U.S. Internet business to figure out, you know, where their strengths are and where their opportunities are instead of trying to be this grand global um, experiment. And I think Yang had a different vision of, of what the company could accomplish from from others, notably Daniel Loeb, the activist investor who's mm-hmm. who's now involved. And hopefully Yang exiting uh, makes it easier for the new people on the scene to uh, help Yahoo and its investors realize the full value of the stock in the company. Joe, what do you think? Well, it's always a sad thing when you see a founder who's so attached to a company ultimately get forced out like that. Um, unlike you know an Apple Steve Jobs like situation, I'm not expecting some sort of miraculous comeback here. Um, you know, it's a tough situation, but I agree with Tim that it was the right move, probably the right move for him. Uh, this to me feels like one of those situations where there's a breakup, and then after the breakup, you realize, man, we should have broken up like years ago. <laughs> Um, Yang can now go wildly overspend for like a sports franchise and run that <laughs> new ground, for example. Um, so let's get back to Yahoo. Some of the reports today were indicating that this essentially clears the way for the type of, of sell-off of assets that you were talking about, Tim. Do you expect that to happen? And if so, who's who's buying what? Well, I think so. I mean, they've got a new a new CEO now who um, Scott Thompson, right from PayPal, who I think from 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 what I can tell is pretty is pretty keen on on working on Yahoo's core U.S. business. Um, in order to, you know, But like any CEO, he's rewarded and people are happy if the stock price goes up. And I think there's a very quick avenue to having that stock price grow up. That's basically by monetizing the Alibaba investment and by selling the stake in Yahoo Japan in sort of a tax-efficient way. Uh, there's a rumored uh, plan on the table uh, that would allow them to do that, whereby they'd get both cash and some other operating asset back from Alibaba and from SoftBank in exchange for um, their stake in Alibaba Group and in Yahoo Japan. And you know, if they can get some sort of complementary asset to what Yahoo wants to do going forward, you know, for example, a web property, you know, Bankrate.com, for example, something that's been rumored that you could maybe fold into Yahoo Finance if they wanted to go that direction, if they wanted mm-hmm. to go into sports. You know, there are all sorts of things you could look at uh, to try to get back in return for this. And I think it's in you know Thompson's best interest to, to do that because he can both strengthen his hand in terms of turning around Yahoo's somewhat struggling, you know, core um, advertising internet business here in the States, while also showing the world the value of these assets that have been somewhat hidden on the balance sheet, and then everybody's everybody's happy. Joe, uh, when you think about Yahoo's U.S. businesses, um, let's say they do go down this road and they do sort of divest from their properties in Asia, um, 
Which they should. Um, we've talked in this room before about sort of Yahoo's U.S. businesses and, and really trying to make sense of them all working together. Um, does divesting from the Asian assets alone um, does that get them where they need to be, or do they need to then look at the U.S. businesses and think, okay, what's working, what's not? Yeah, well, I think to Tim's point, that unlocks a lot of value that's latent right now, and I think that will certainly be beneficial, especially if you're a shareholder. That does not solve the greater problem of turning around the U.S. business. The great thing about Yahoo is they still pull in an immense amount of traffic. Mm -hmm. That's something a lot of people tend to forget about or gloss over when you look at a Google and its success, and it's easy to do that, but... Yahoo does pull in a lot of eyeballs. Now, they need to move away from kind of the you know display ad model that has served them semi-well for so long. But with the competition they're getting both on display ads and for eyeballs, it's clearly not a sustainable model for them, or at least not one that's going to drive them in a way that I think shareholders and employees at Yahoo would like. Every story I read today about Jerry Yang included some mention of uh, – his essentially walking away from Microsoft when Microsoft was looking to buy Yahoo uh, for somewhere in the neighborhood of, of $31, $32 a share. Um, and that essentially, uh, as the old saying goes, that goes on Jerry Yang's permanent record. Uh, the shares of Yahoo are now trading around uh, 16 or so. Um, so obviously, in hindsight, that, that looks like uh, a mistake. Um, Tim, do you think that uh, based on where Yahoo could be six months from now, are they still an acquisition target for a Microsoft or someone else? Or do you think that essentially that incident a few years ago essentially scared all significant buyers off? Well, Microsoft was thinking about apparently was rumored about thinking about taking a, a stake in Yahoo, which isn't isn't completely irrational for Microsoft to do. I think, you know, with the hiring of a new CEO and who has a very nice pay package and, and one that gets grossed up if they pay a dividend and do some of these corporate actions yep. that they're thinking about. The company has basically signaled that they're interested in going it alone for the time being and uh, seeing what they can do. Um, I, I think they're going to go it alone in a way that's different from the way that Yang wanted them to go it alone when they sort of outrageously rejected Microsoft's acquisition offer, which uh, you know made no sense from a you know a, a numbers nuts and bolts perspective. You know, but this is the reason Jerry Yang is stepping down today because he had a vision of the company that was different from what everyone else saw in Yahoo, and 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 you know. Sometimes that can be a great thing. I think for Steve Jobs and Apple, that worked out really, really well. You know, I'm an iconoclast, and I think one way, and you know, to, to the heck with the rest of you. But you know, those those successes being an iconoclast tend to be um, fewer and farther between than the number of iconoclasts themselves. After its shares rose the past two days on rumors of a buyout, shares of Research in Motion down five percent this morning. Now that Samsung has said not interested, um, Joe. I guess my first question is, were you surprised by any of this? Were you surprised by the buyout rumors to begin with? Uh, and then were you surprised by Samsung um, pretty emphatically and, and borderline rudely saying, no, we will never consider this? Yeah, did the PR guy laugh? <laughs> no, I, I think every week we're talking about a, a different research and motion buyout rumor, whether it's uh, Apple or Amazon or Microsoft or fill in the blank. This time it's Samsung. In this case, I still think they are the ones who are left out in the cold in this game of you know strategic musical chairs. They're the one who's going to be left standing. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for Samsung to step in here. They are trying to diversify their uh, 
reliance on outside operating systems. Mm-hmm. So they got really addicted to Android. But the problem is a lot of people work off Android, and it's tough to build a competitive advantage there. So they started building their own OS. Now, if they buy RIM, are they going to put that OS on the BlackBerry? Probably not, because people are pretty happy. If you're a BlackBerry user and you're still with them, you presumably are very happy with the security features. Then again, are you going to take the BlackBerry OS and put it on your phones when clearly the BlackBerry OS hasn't caught on with developers or built any sort of ecosystem? So, no, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Now, it could make sense if we're talking, you know, give it a year and the stock price keeps falling, then you're going in, but then you're buying it for the patents. And there is there is value there, but I think we're still a little ways off from that. Well, isn't part of the value proposition, uh, proposition with RIM also... Uh, its footprint with the federal government. I mean, Tim, we've talked about this before. I mean, not that this is an annuity, but um, research in motion really has um, the lion's share of the U.S. federal government, you know, smartphone market. Um, So having that kind of in with Uncle Sam, I have to figure that that is at least somewhat attractive to potential buyers. Well, the security features are what made RIM popular with the government in the first place and have also made RIM popular in in, in some other parts of the world, like... uh, you know, the Middle East and Africa, where people are very concerned about hacking and those sorts of things. But, you know, what what value is the U.S. government sort of, um, you know, th- that relationship with, with government officials? You know, to the extent that Apple and Android are going to figure out how to, you know, improve the security features on their phone and the consumer is ultimately going to tell, you know, sort of the employer what we want to use. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I think people are, you know, people know already that, you know, uh, living in D.C., you know that the federal government is already experimenting with iPads and things, and they've got them, not for everybody, but they've got a few for the office for people to take out and, and play with. You know, I think at the end of the day, that's a, that's a business in decline, like a lot of research emotions uh, business. We'll hang on for a while, and at the right price, the cash flows are worth something and, and, and may ultimately be worth more than the stock price at some point. I'm not sure we're there um, yet, but when you throw in the patents and the relationships and, you know, that you know, some level of cash flows in, in perpetuity, um, someone's bound to get interested at some point, I think. Yeah, and even on the business side, what they've rolled out isn't all that strong an offering, relatively speaking. When you look at the playbook, it is inexcusable that they – the playbook, in case you don't know, is their crappy version of the iPad. <laughs> it rolled out Do they without, have a good version of the iPad or just, just the they're playbook? They're still working on it. <laughs> um, it rolled out without a native email client. And that is just inexcusable that you wouldn't have... How dare they? (laughs) Well, no. I mean, that is the primary What's a native email client? Basically, when you open up your tablet or an iPad, which uh, you don't have, but you can play with mine. uh, (laughs) I'm fine. Thank you. So with, you know, any, basically any smart device you have these days, there's a native built-in application to process your email. Okay. Whether it's, you know, coming through fool.com for us or your Gmail, it's there to process it and, you know smooth everything through for you and they built that without they built the playbook without that built in which is just a ridiculous thing to do and they rolled it out late who gets email on their blackberry (laughs) yeah yeah so whether it is for the cash flows or the patents or some other reason altogether maybe it's just because the stock gets so cheap who is the likeliest buyer out there at the right price what do you think joe well i think if you're letting it collapse I guess there are two ways that these guys get bought out. It's either so that you can take the OS or put your OS on it. Mm -hmm. But I still don't know that that makes sense for any of the major players here. So Microsoft has been one that's popped up many times. Um, It doesn't really make a lot of sense, though, for them to step in and buy this 
sinking ship when they already have their own OS. Uh, do they want to put it on a sinking ship? Probably not, especially how long it would take to make that transition. And then they already have this partnership with Nokia, so they're basically in bed with someone else. Now, if you're thinking about just waiting to buy the patents, at that point, the hardware is completely, you know, if you're just waiting for the hardware business to run off, sure, you can step in there, but I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose anyone would be interested in the patents. Tim, what do you think? Oh, Google bought Motorola, so I'd probably put them <laughs> at the top of the list. Just because of the amount of cash that Google has? Well, they've got a lot of cash, apparently a willingness to spend it on things that don't make a lot of sense at first blush. Hey, and, hey. And, no, I say that as someone who admires no, what Google's fair. built, but, you know, you know, they like they're, having patents. They're, they're they have a-, a lot of money. They're not Apple in terms of hoarding cash. Like, Apple has famously hoarded cash for, for a very long And I don't think Apple mm. would have any interest in sort of trying to integrate no. something like RIM, whereas Google apparently doesn't really care. You know, they're like, yeah, well, we could try that. Yeah, I mean, the only reason... They're willing to make mistakes, Chris. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't step in and buy these guys anytime soon. They already upset enough of their partners anyway. That's why Samsung is actively shopping around and trying to build their own operating system is because Google stepped out and bought Motorola. Which is silly, but, you know, I guess they have to try. Yeah, or look like it. All right, let's dip into <laughs> or the... Or look like it. <laughs> dip into the full <laughs> mailbag. You can always drop us an email, radio at fool.com. An outpouring of email in response to yesterday's podcast. We talked about Burger King uh, testing the delivery service. You got yesterday's podcast, Joe? Yeah. Joe was on, as, as you will soon learn from our email response, uh, Burger King testing a $2 delivery service at some locations in Virginia and Maryland. We asked people to email us at radio at fool.com. Um, what would they pay does that not make any sense? I mean, I guess we talked about this yesterday, but like the average ticket of Burger King can't be more than six or seven dollars, right? That's the thing. Minimum order is eight to ten dollars for this. See, that's still a twenty percent. That's a lot of convenience. Yeah. Well, they're going to see. They're going to see how it goes. Was, sorry. Uh, email from Colin. Favorite food that I'd pay two dollars to have delivered? No doubt about it. The bacon explosion. And if by chance raised the stakes, could be persuaded to make and deliver it, I'd gladly pay a fifty dollar delivery fee. Joe, you've made the bacon explosion. Yeah, and you you guys were there. I mean, it was it was fantastic. It was pretty good. Yeah, I'm a strong strong buy on the bacon explosion. <laughs> it's the unhealthiest thing you but could it, possibly. It's bacon eat. wrapped in pork, wrapped in bacon, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah. With, Served with cornbread and like a dipping sauce. Well, yeah. I put it on yeah butter biscuits. There we go with some barbecue sauce on it. Uh, from Edward Ridgely, imagine you're sitting on the couch watching your favorite TV show, Breaking Bad. During the commercial break, you get up, walk over to the fridge. Upon opening the freezer door, you cringe once you realize you're out of ice cream. But that's when you remember Cold Stone and Baskin Robbins and Dairy Queen deliver. Yes, for only $2, all the toppings and flavors at your front door in just 20 minutes. It would truly be the ice cream of the future. A little play on words for my... You know who used to do that? Cosmo.com. Cosmo.com? Cosmo.com. They delivered anything, and people didn't Didn't work out. care. Uh, back in back in uh, college, when I went to Boston College, there was a local place called Wing It, and Wing It would deliver chicken wings on bike. Because uh, I know they didn't have cars back then. Uh, <laughs> on horseback, yes. uh, chicken wings. <laughs> uh, they would deliver pints of Ben and Jerry's, and and you know, uh, for the right amount of, of tipping and or bribery, they'd, they'd stop by the packy too. Um, and finally, from Jason Rice, this is where Joe Mager comes in. You discussed Burger King's new plan to test the waters with a new delivery service. Joe Mager commented he would be shocked to see McDonald's go down the same road, arguing that their lean, efficient business model has been honed over the decades and is the model of the industry. Oh, uh, hold on. Joe, do you still feel that way? <laughs> I 
feel like that's a loaded question. <laughs> Jason continues, albeit in a different country, McDonald's has in fact gone down the road of offering delivery, and they've done so with small yellow motorized scooters bearing the famous Golden Archer's logo and a McDelivery branding. I've attached some photos I took a few years back while in South Korea on business travel. Sadly, I was never able to try the Asian McDonald's delivery service despite the 24-7 availability. Next time I go back, I'll be sure to try it out and let you know how it goes. P.S. I've included a bonus photo of some crispy salmon-flavored Doritos I spotted while on a trip in Taiwan. I meant to send this months ago when you were talking about Doritos, but better late than never. Um, we'll find a way to tweet out these photos. Uh, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at MarketFoolery. We'll, we'll tweet out the photos that Jason sent. They, I mean, it's Tim, you saw the photos. It's pretty clear evidence that... Uh, McDonald's has this delivery they service. They must be imposters, because Joe is not wrong. I, I have to admit I was wrong. I'm as shocked as you are. Um, anyone anyone up for trying the crispy salmon Doritos? No. Uh, I don't know. I ate all the weird crap that Tim would bring back from China. <laughs> I can try these things. I was going to say, you. I mean, you brought back like the, the like You know what? I'm not, I'm not adverse to salmon-flavored things. I actually just don't like Doritos. You get all that gunk on your hands. That's, that oh, bugs me. The gunk me. is the good part. Oh. <laughs> Drop us an email, radio at full.com, for any reason whatsoever. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.